Hey guys, welcome back to Feels Like 30. Uh, this is Veronica. Today, my special guest is Miss Jessica Hardiel. And um, she's actually a, a high school friend of mine who has moved on to some amazing, amazing things. She's currently uh, a psychotherapist, if is that your proper title? And um, she currently her, her owns her own uh, therapy services, which she'll talk about in a bit. Uh, welcome, Jessica. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for, um, I know you have a, an insane schedule, but thank you for, for fitting us into your schedule. So if you can just talk a little bit about uh, your upbringing and kind of what got you into psychotherapy in the first place. Yeah. So thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So thanks. Um, so my upbringing, um, as a child, I had a lot of, there was a lot of childhood trauma. Um, and so there was a lot of stuff going on within my parents. My parents were not in love and that was very apparent. And so I think that they had a child and then kind of felt they needed to stay together because they had a child. Okay. And as a child, that can be hard because sometimes children, and I work with children, which is what I see happen. Sometimes parents think that staying together makes children happy even though children can see that two separated happy people is better than two people together who are miserable. And, not and I see that all the time. So. Yeah. So, but it takes a lot for you to realize that as a parent within yourself and be like, you know what, this isn't the best environment for my child. Right. So within my parents, I feel like there was a lot of conflict because they weren't happy. And so you know, I witnessed a lot of domestic violence, emotional abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse. My father was um, very abusive towards my mom and me. And so I think that that stems from a lot of anger, resentment, whatever he was feeling that he was kind of putting on to us. And I think that all of those experiences kind of followed me. And so, you know, there's so many specific examples that I can remember of like how I felt as like a worthless like child. And I always remember like, I really wish that I had a therapist or someone that I can talk to, to kind of, I guess, validate my feelings and experiences and make me, allow me to see that I'm not alone and that this is unfortunately normal. Right. And right. so I feel like throughout my different college experiences, my focus has always been children and teens because a lot of children and teens have no power, no control over their households. You kind of just do what you're told and you go with that. And so I feel like I, I've always wanted to help those children and teens kind of harness their power, although they don't have that much control and just like be able to come up with coping mechanisms to get them to 18 so that they can become an adult and then do what they need to do. So and affecting more positive change. Yeah. Now it's it's interesting because uh, I mean not often, but sometimes we see that um, with someone or a child who has a lot of childhood trauma can go more of a negative path. What do you think kept you on the the straight and narrow as far as being more of a positive figure to children and to to young adults? It's a great question. I think that watching my mom struggle because once my mom finally left my dad, she became a single mom. And I was like 10, 11 years old and she was working three jobs and oh, money was tight. And so I think within that time frame, I never saw her. She was so busy. She was like doing all these things to pay her mortgage and all these things. I kind of felt like I wanted to get out of poverty, if that makes sense. So I was like, I need to leave this because I need to do better for my mom and I need to help her from this like 
crappy situation. And so I feel like that was my motivation. And I felt that I couldn't do that without education. So education became super important to me. So I became super into school and school was like my escape from my house, but also like where I focused on my energy. Because I was like, once I finish school, I'll be able to make some money and hopefully get out of this poverty and help my mom out of the situation. And then it'll be the cycle. That's amazing. The, the breaking of the, the poverty line, which a lot of our generation, I feel like has, has tried to break a, a lot of what we've come from. Um, now, as soon as you graduated high school, you immediately started college and, and, um, that was, this was your main focus throughout. And how long have you, have you been in school? Um, cause I know that you just recently graduated with your PhD, right? Uh, not or, yet. Almost. Oh, okay. Almost. Well, congratulations for that. Um, <laughs> uh, that's incredible. So I, I'm sure that throughout your twenties, um, uh, life has, has had its own roller coasters. What has been able to keep you in school and interested in pursuing, um, higher levels of education? Yeah. So it's funny because I didn't know I wanted to be a social worker. I knew I wanted to help kids and teens. I just didn't know how. And when I was choosing my major in college at, you know, 18, I'm now going to college. I did go straight to college, although it's its own story because I came out to my family that I was to my parents that I was a part of the LGBTQIA plus community when I was 15. And my mom was around, she left to her country. And my dad actually kicked me out when I turned 18, he changed the lock. So I had nowhere to go. Wow. And so that was really hard trying to find a place. My first girlfriend and I like found an apartment and like that was within itself. So I ended up going to college. So I was like, I went to BMCC, was working like 46 hours trying to pay this apartment while trying to maintain full time status because I needed the financial aid. It was bizarre. And then my dad was such a jerk that he was still claiming me on his taxes and wouldn't let me file independent status. So I was like, girl, years I spent in the financial aid office is crazy because I was like, I just want to go to school. Like, let me be here. So like the loans and all that stuff, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And so I feel like the financial aid piece helped with the money piece because I was yeah. like, all right, this can kind of supplement. I did some work study, whatever. And then when I finished, so I majored in psychology because I wanted to understand how my father was such a jerk to me. I really wanted gotcha. to. Understand so it was people. more so for your personal understanding yeah. as well as your your furthering your education, but to kind of rationalize what, what, what had happened. Correct. Because I was my dad's only child. And I'm like, I'm confused. He was physically abusive. He was a jerk to my mom. He didn't love her. Um, he kicked me out. He disowned me as his daughter. Like, I'm confused. Like, I don't understand. Like, who does this? Parents are supposed to love you unconditionally, not with conditions. What, what's going on here? And then after that psychology piece, I was like working full time. Then I was I discovered social work and I was like, what's social work? And one of the professors was like, oh, you could, it's a shortcut to becoming a therapist. And I was like, shortcut, I want to hear about this shortcut. And so she explained like, oh, it's only two years. Of course, it's not that clean cut. You know, you get this master's degree, then you can start practicing, not telling you that you have to like reach a certain level for you to do whatever. And then I was like, oh, like, this is cool. And then I started to like do that. And I was like, oh, this is it. This is my calling. Like, this is where I need to be. Has it been as rewarding as, as you had hoped? It is very rewarding, um, but it's also really difficult because of the microaggressions as a Latinx, right? As being Latina is so hard. My age, ageism, because people think I'm too young. And so getting that seat at the table is so hard. 
being Hispanic, being young, and then also being a part of the LGBTQ community that it's like, you don't belong here. So I feel like I've constantly been having to fight, but then that gives us that like imposter syndrome. Like, you know, do I, should I really like go forward with this? Oh yes. And and that's something that I've been struggling with myself as of late. So I, I can, I can definitely relate to that. Um, being, you know, Hispanic and being a female and, you know, I've been in the military for a long time. Mm -hmm. So constantly feeling like I have to step my game up further and further when some of my peers don't really have to, or I feel like don't have to work as hard. So um, I know that that can be difficult. Um, What would you say has been your, your biggest struggle um, as a professional and, and as a woman and as a part of the LGBTQ community, um, what would you say all encompassing has been some of your, your largest struggles um, going from your your 20s into now your, your new 30s? I think learning to believe in myself was a big struggle, like that confidence piece, because since everyone was already, other people, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people were already like bringing me down because of these different characteristics or types that I fall into. So I feel like it's, I started to believe that maybe this isn't for me or maybe I shouldn't fight as hard. So developing that confidence, even 20s, being in your 20s is like you're trying to figure things out. You have all of these like checklists, right? And I put that in quotes of like what you're supposed to achieve by a certain age and what you're supposed to do. So all of those pressures are like, I don't don't know. And then again, first being a first-generation college student, first-gen, coming from the background that I come from that I'm like I don't even know like I should be happy that I'm the first in my family to graduate high school and then I took it a step further my bachelor's degree and then my master's degree and then now I'm like getting my PhD so I should be happy but I still feel like there's like that voice inside of me that's like is it enough like will I still be seen for who I am as a woman as a Latina as an LGBTQIA member and you're incredibly successful so it's it, I, I brought that up in, in my first podcast where we constantly have ourselves feeling inadequate. And I feel like that has led to, and, and you're the, the subject matter expert on, the, uh, expert on this, but the depression and the anxiety, and I know a lot of that has to do with a, a lot of other things that are going on in our lives, but I feel like 30 often is the cusp of, do you have your life together yet? Or don't you? And why not? And you're supposed to have the house, the car, the kid. And, and everything else, what advice would you give to somebody who is struggling with some of those emotions as far as kind of getting out of your own head is, is how I would put it. Because sometimes we're so in our own head where we kind of don't realize that it's okay to be wherever it is that you are in your life, whatever that may mean to you. Right. I mean, I think my biggest piece of advice would kind of just be like to you have your own timing, right? And so like things arrive when they're supposed to. And I'm, I'm very big into that, that you cannot rush things because when you try to force things, it will not work out. And so it's okay. And it's okay to, it's also okay to compare to yourself to other people because that's, that's natural, that's, that's humans. And it's what we do in social media makes that very easy. Yes. But it's okay for you to be where you are and, you know, slow and steady wins the race too, right? You don't have to like rush because there is no rush. Because right. then what, what are we rushing to at the end? Right. Yeah. There's always going to be something people right. you, you have, you're in a relationship. They're like, when are you getting engaged? You get engaged. When are you getting married? When are you buying a house? When are you having a kid? You have one kid. When are you having your second kid? So it's like, people always want to know the next step because yes. 
that's just the societal norm. And I feel like people often think they know what's best for someone else. And it's that little grain of salt that we need to take with all the advice that we get where it's like, well, that may be good for you, but this is what works best, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, now to, to jump back to all of your success, um, you recently, or it was, was it within the last year, uh, co-wrote or uh, co-authored a book. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was invited to co-author in Latinx in social work. So it's like stories that heal, inspire, and bring communities together. So it featured, excuse me, 22 authors that are Latinx social workers. And we are kind of talking about our narratives as to what it's like to be a social worker. And so each person kind of talked about different aspects, microaggressions, women, right? All of the struggles that we've kind of gone through. And my story, I I mentioned a lot of my struggles. I started it off with the expectations that I had as, as a daughter from both of my parents of, education wasn't a priority in my house. It was even till today, my mom's biggest priority is me preparing myself to being a wife and a mother, because that is what women are supposed to do. And so education wasn't really heavily placed upon me. And so in my story, I talk a lot about the emotional abuse and I, it captures, if you have a chance to read it at some point, it captures, um, a little girl who shares this very intimate experience of a a one specific physical abuse situation that happened and what those feelings did for her and how she kind of navigated through that space, which of course was me, right? And then I talk about college. My first semester, I had just gotten kicked out of my house. I was living on my own. I was trying the financial aid office, Jessica's tears for (laughs) forever. My first semester, I like practically... um, I got three F's and a D. I did not do well. I, and it was not good. So I've, I haven't always been a good student and that's okay. And look at you now. <laughs> yes, that's cool. I, yeah. I was placed on academic probation. The second semester I brought up my grades and I went up to like, my GPA was still, I was like at a 1.85. Like it still wasn't on par. And I was academically dismissed from BMCC my first year. And I wrote the only heartfelt letter to those people that I was like, I will be a graduate. So it's up to you if it's going to be from BMCC or if it's going to be from another school. And they accepted me and put me on a special probation for the following year. And I was able to do it. And I finished that BMCC year. I transferred to Queens College to finish my degree and whatever. But it was a struggle because when you have other factors, school is not the priority. You're trying to survive, yeah, right? Food, absolutely. Place to live. Like that's more important, especially in so New York. Like, so, right. Yeah. But it's like so expensive. Right. And so that's kind of what I ended up doing. And, and I went with that. Right. And so then I made it work and I owe a lot of money right now. Right. <laughs> I owe like $200,000 in loans, but that's okay. Because I feel like I'm in a good place where it's like, yes, I owe all this money and who knows if the government's ever going to get all this money back, but, (laughs) but like, but you made it, but I made it to where I am happy, somewhat content to where I am. When I finish the PhD, then I'll be content, but hopefully I'm sure I'll be something else. I don't know. (laughs) You, you are an incredible success story. Um, so if, if, and when I want to buy this book, where can I find it? Yeah. So my group practice that I run is blossominglotustherapy.com. Okay. 
And that is, um, I have like a team of clinicians, if anyone's ever looking for therapy. So that's important. And everyone should have a therapist. I have a therapist. Therapists have therapists because we all got some baggage. Yes. Same. So yeah. Yeah. Everyone should talk to someone. So, you know, there's that, but under the blog section, there is a highlight of the book and anyone who purchased it through the website, they do get an autographed copy, which is cool. You can always order it on Amazon. That's always a good, you can always type in Latinx and social work on Amazon and you can get it, but it'll come directly from like the publishing company. Of course, it's nicer when you support small businesses and you order it from me, but that's kind of the way to go. Can you touch a little bit about your, your practice? Yeah. So the group practice, um, it's very Latinx. And so a lot of the populations um, that are very near and dear to my heart um, is immigrants, children of immigrants, the LGBTQIA community. Um, So anyone, children that are questioning identity, gender um, is a perfect place for them. Parents of children who are questioning identity and gender because sometimes parents feels like they failed somehow. So parents need some support. I recently started to see more poly couples because poly is, is, is very much happening a lot within a lot of communities. So opening up to poly couples, um, a big specialty of mine is sexual trauma. So a lot of adults who've gone through some kind of sexual abuse as children. So working through and healing. Um, and then we've also kind of opened it up a little bit to kink practices. So we are kink positive. Um, so that way we can be open-minded to a lot of people who kind of want to work through some of those things. Okay. So you're, you've provided a safe place for, for a, like, I, I think it's an amazing resource that you are a representation of your own community and, and you have that outlet. I know, um, a lot of adults now that when they were um, coming out or going through or questioning uh, or their parents, they had no resource. There wasn't this outlet. They just felt like something was wrong. And like you said, parents felt something was wrong. And a lot of people didn't have a way to, to, to work through things, you know, because we think that, oh, no, we're fine, especially in the minority community where we feel like um, we need to pray and everything will be OK. Um, and, and prayer is, is fantastic and great. And religion is amazing, but, um, the, the brain is a muscle. And I feel like just like everything else that we need to work on and go to the gym, we go to physical therapy. We, we should go to some, to mental health therapy as well. Um, now are all of your sessions, um, uh, virtual or is there, do you have any in-person options? Um, how can people reach you? Do you have an Instagram? Yeah. So we are a hundred percent virtual right now. Um, I am hoping to expand because we are expanding quickly. We do specialize with children with teen and teens, teens specifically, like teens have always been my favorite, um, because teens have so much like rebellion and like things are happening because they're misunderstood. And so we are hundred percent virtual. However, I do hope to expand and open up a practice in Queens because that's my heart and home because that's where I'm from. So I hope to, even though I live out in Suffolk County, I hope to open up a practice in Queens first before I even look at Long Island because I want to give back to my community first. Um, so that's the hope maybe within the next year or so. Okay. I do have an Instagram page. It is at Blossoming Lotus Therapy um, and a Facebook page at Blossoming Lotus Therapy also. And then I mentioned the website too, which is cool. Awesome. And I I know that you have another session to get to. Um, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out, um, you know, to kind of share your story a little bit and some resources. And um, congratulations on your immense success. And and I really, again, I I genuinely think that that 
the services that you provide are incredible. And and once I, I I reached out to you because I scrolled through your Instagram and I'm like, wow, I remember you and and you are you know super successful now. Congratulations on your recent marriage. And um yeah, again, I will put her her Instagram handle on my show notes uh, if you guys have any questions or or need to reach out to her. Thank you again. And I will see you guys next episode.